GM, GM, welcome to Web3 Academy, your trusted source for useful and legitimate information to remain on the forefront of the internet revolution. I'm Jay Bird, and as always, joined by my co-host, Kyle Reedhead, and we believe that Web3 is going to change the world. That's why we're here to guide the world's top talent into this space to contribute, get ahead of the curve, and capitalize on the opportunity. Jay, every week I say that this is a big week, and I hate that I keep doing that because this is actually a big week, and I don't know how to like make people understand that and stress that enough. What do I have to say? What, is there a better word I can say to say it's a big week? The only word that popped into my head was cowabunga or super califragilistic expialidocious. <laughs> wow, okay. <laughs> don't know what that has to do with this. But anyway, guys, Coinbase just shook the world. Literally two hours ago, they announced something that Jay doesn't even know yet because Jay's in the West Coast. It's 7.30 in the morning for him as we record. He's just waking I'm up. I'm getting the news. Even, I'm just waking up. I'm getting... So I'm going to break the news to Jay on this episode here. Coinbase shakes the Web3 ecosystem with a blue dot. That's it. Just a blue dot. Kidding. There's so much more to come with it. The NFT marketplace war has reached a whole other level. So we have to discuss that. Spotify is testing Web3 integrations. This is massive. And honestly, I didn't expect this one. Proof conference canceled. You know what? That ecosystem is a bit of a disaster. Jay's part of that ecosystem, so we're going to uh, get some insights there. Solana Mobile, I guess is how we say this, is allowing you to mint an NFT straight from the phone's camera. This is the Instagram moment, I'm calling it. And honestly, just so much more. Like in our quick hits, we have Puma dropping an NFT. Crazy, crazy week. Unbelievable. Let's get it. Let's get right to it. But let's share some gratitude first. Kai, what are you grateful for today? Oh man, I am grateful for a lot. I think uh, I'm grateful for the team at Web3 Academy. We've been going through a lot, building a, a bit of our team. We've been trying to create new forms of content. We're trying to experiment and, and do more things like bringing our audience on chain. And our team has just been amazing, amazing support and help along the way, helping us grow, helping us create more content, helping us just do all this stuff. We couldn't do it without them. So just super grateful for the Web3 Academy team. What about you, Joe? Shout Jay? out. I'm grateful for my studio office sam and i built a 10 by 10 foot shed in our backyard this summer and it is my office and it is amazing what walking literally like 20 feet from the house that short walk it feels like a walk to work and i walk i get in here and <laughs> you know you're here to work it gets me in the zone productivity That's so nice. really grateful to have this space yeah, I wish I had that in my tiny little one-bedroom apartment here in Toronto. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the chart of the week before we get into our sponsors. For those of you that are listening, yeah. I'll, I'll kind of explain what we're looking at. But this chart is the weekly USD volume market share of NFT marketplaces. And it dates back to October 2020. We just released a pro report, and the entire report is basically telling a story based off this chart. It's walking you through everything that has happened over the last few years in the NFT space. It shows the looks rare airdrop and what happened in the markets at that time. It shows the X2Y2 airdrop. It shows when creator royalties were rugged with pseudo swap. It's literally everything all happening in one shot here. It's a really incredible chart when you understand what's going on. I'm not gonna dive too far into it right here, but the interesting thing, and I think the big thing to take away from this is, from this war, OpenSea has dominated in the NFT marketplace world since 2017 when it launched. It's crazy that it launched all the way back then. There wasn't even like 
was there crypto kitties back then that's about it mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. there really wasn't any other competition for a long time foundation and rarible came around i think in like 2021 maybe a little bit in 2020 but they didn't do too much damage it wasn't until literally january 2022 which you can see in this chart here when looks rare came on the scene airdropped a bunch of tokens to all the OpenSea users and was like, all right, let's go. Come use our platform. What the rest of this chart shows is the story of dropping tokens and bribing people to come use the platform. <laughs> and whether that's going to work or not, you know, we'll see. I talk about a lot in the pro report on kind of like how impactful that was more long term and what different rugs and innovations and different things have happened throughout this story over the last couple of years. We're going to dive deeper into what's actually happening over the last week here in the rest of this episode. But next week on the pro report, what I actually did is I did a breakdown of the tokenomics of the looks token, the X2Y2 token and the blur token kind of to, to dive into one, should you actually buy these tokens or should you sell them if you receive the airdrop? But really like what's the utility around these things? How are they impacting the business of these marketplaces? Is this a sustainable long-term thing? We talk kind of all about that and break down these tokenomics. So it's gonna be a really interesting report. So make sure you check that out. If you're not already a pro member, you know what to do. Go become a pro member. There's lots happening in the pro world. The link is in the show notes below. Don't miss, don't wait on that one. So let's do that. But before we dive into the rest of the NFT market stuff. We're going to talk about Coinbase, of course. And before that, let's take a second to hear from our sponsor. The future of social media is here, and that future lives in Web3 on top of Lens Protocol. Web2 social platforms are broken and ripe for disruption. You see, the epicenter of social media is the creators, and yet they are the most neglected. Web2 platforms like Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram are all essentially robbing creators of their worth. Creators are a new type of entrepreneur, forming new types of businesses. Yet with Web2 platforms, creators don't own their content or their profiles, and that's their product and business. Instead, they are tied to the platforms they choose to create on. Well, just like how crypto is freeing us from banks, Web3 is freeing us from these centralized platforms. On Lens Protocol, creators own their content, own their profile, and even their social graph and followers in the form of NFTs. This allows you to move freely from one social application to another with your content, profile, and followers moving along with you. Lens Protocol enables self-sovereignty for your social graph and interoperability across the internet. At Web3 Academy, we believe this is the future of social, and that's why we partner with Lens, to ensure that the path of social media is heading in the right direction. Visit lens.xyz to learn more today. All right, we're back. Jay, are you ready for this one? This is going to be the first that you're hearing this. Yeah, yeah, give me, man, you got me super stoked in the little prep that we were doing before. What's this big news coming out of Coinbase? You know, I'm fully caffeinated, so I'm ready to go here. I'm all fired up. I got lots to talk about, <laughs> as you can tell from the intro there. So Coinbase, all they did was launch a video of a blue dot, and the entire crypto world went nuts. Every single big company in this space started retweeting this thing. People were changing their names to this blue dot. There was all these hilarious <laughs> memes of this blue dot. This industry is just nuts. And so all it was a blue dot, and it just said, O2, 23 2023. So it just said something's coming tomorrow. And at 9 a.m. EST this morning, they announced that they are launching a new platform called Base. And what Base is, is a layer two built on top of Ethereum. So we've talked a ton about layer twos, how we believe this is the future. This is how Ethereum is going to scale. Basically, layer twos are what allow users and apps to use the blockchain for very, very cheap. It's very, very fast, yet it has the security of Ethereum. And that's exactly what Coinbase has built. And it's launched its testnet right now. Its mainnet will come in just a few months. Now, what's really interesting about this is 
It will be fully permissionless and EVM compatible, right? They're using the Optimism tech stack. So Optimism, another layer two, this is actually really, really interesting. They're not building on top of Optimism, but Optimism as they built their layer two created sort of this like open source code to help others build mm -hmm. layer twos. So Coinbase is not only working with the Optimism team to do this properly and using their code, they are doing that while launching a direct competitor to Optimism. Yet they did this in partnership with Optimism. It's just an interesting concept and it's pretty amazing to see that this is the way that the crypto world and the Web3 world is doing this, right? I think that's really, really cool. There's no token, right? So they're just using ETH. They will just use ETH to transact on the network. And really what this is, it's an on-ramp for the 110 million verified users on Coinbase. You know, we were just filming a podcast, Jay and I, yesterday just talking about like how many people are actually in Web3, like using mm -hmm. real Web3, not using like centralized exchanges. And it's probably like tens of millions max, yeah. right? It's not, it's not a ton. But Coinbase has 110 million verified users who hold crypto and are literally one click away from getting into Web3, but it's not easy. And it's also difficult to do that in the layer two world, which is where we all should be. We shouldn't be moving over to the layer ones. It's too expensive. And so Coinbase is using base is what it's called again, as sort of its on-ramp to enter the L2 ecosystem and you start playing around with the Web3 world. This is very interesting. It's a big step forward for the L2 space. It really legitimizes the L2 space. The first thing I wanna discuss is why didn't they launch their own layer one, right? This is what we've seen over the last however many years is everyone's just launching their own layer one. They wanna compete with Ethereum and be the next Ethereum killer, right? Even this is what Facebook was trying to do. It's now turned into Aptos. And that's kind of like the Facebook team, the old Facebook team launching their own layer one. Everyone's doing their own layer one. Binance launched their own layer one with Binance Smart Chain. And you know, you have Coinbase, the biggest crypto company in the world. The one company that understands Web3 and crypto more than any other company in the world, right? No one gets this industry like Coinbase does. And they didn't think it was a smart idea to build their own blockchain. They said, you know what? We're going to build on top of Ethereum. Why? What they said, and this is Jesse Powell, who's I think a head of product or head of whatever at Coinbase. He said, we don't want to be siloed from the existing Web3 innovation and builders in this space, right? We wanted to be a part of the network effects that are currently happening in Web3. And the way to do that is to be EVM compatible and to build on top of Ethereum. If you build your own blockchain, you're now a separate siloed ecosystem. And there's so much innovation, so many developers, so many cool things happening. And ultimately, you look what they did. They don't want to build everything from scratch. That's expensive and difficult and just doesn't make sense. Instead, they can just use Ethereum as their settlement layer. They can take Optimism's code for their execution layer, right? They're already launching with Magic Eden on top and Uniswap and all of these other different protocols that just automatically plug into the layer two. They don't even have to do anything about it. It's just an easy switch from the code that's already on Optimism, Arbitrum, Ethereum, and it goes right onto it. So when they launch in a couple months, they have a full ecosystem already. Why wouldn't you do that? It makes complete mm -hmm. sense. And then finally, Coinbase's main goal here is, you know, how do they even make money from this? If they don't have a token, they don't get any fees from this, right? It's a permissionless thing. They don't even actually technically own the thing eventually. And really what Coinbase's goal here is to build a layer two that can compete with Arbitrum, Optimism, et cetera, in terms of enabling developers to build innovative and great products. So they're building a platform that's easy and has great tools and things to build innovative and new use cases for the crypto world. Why? Because Coinbase wants to build all of the interfaces, so like the front end mm -hmm. interfaces for these protocols. Coinbase wants to be the UX of all of Web3. 
So when we think of the DeFi mullet we talked about before or the Web3 mullet, there'll be all these protocols in the back end like Uniswap or NFT marketplaces or whatever, but the interface for those is what Coinbase hopes to build. So what we actually interact with. And then they can, I don't know, run ads, do memberships, take fees off of the transactions. They can do whatever they want there. That's their goal. And I think that's great because it makes a familiar UX across the ecosystem. Mm -hmm. That's Coinbase's sort of like big goal with this. But I just think... This really legitimizes a lot of things here. You know, Coinbase, obviously a public company, and now they're getting in the world of actually building the infrastructure of Web3. It's pretty amazing. I'm fired up, Kai. Thanks for breaking the news to me this morning. <laughs> but did you have any speculation what you thought it was when they launched that blue dot? Token is the easiest thing to guess, but I was like, why would a public company launch right. a token period, let alone in the middle of a bear market? That didn't make any sense to me. I thought maybe it was just a way to get everybody to change their Twitter handle to put the blue dot <laughs> next to their name and, <laughs> and get a lot of attention. I did not think they would launch a layer two. That was definitely not a, a speculation that I had. But I think, like you said, they want to be the UX layer. They already are the UX layer for 110 right. million people. Right. Using Coinbase wallet, using Coinbase app, like their ecosystem is well-made. It's very thoughtful. It's friendly. It's easy to use. And they have those people, they have their attention. So if they can start to bring them into other areas of Web3 through base, let's go. We, we released a report last week called as Ethereum Scaling. And it was a whole report <laughs> on the layer two infrastructure and how that's adding more transactions, more volume, more everything to the Ethereum ecosystem. And Coinbase is about to just onboard 110 million people into the layer Jeez. two world. So I got a feeling that we are going to see the numbers of is Ethereum scaling, like what I showed in that report, just go absolutely nuts when this thing goes live. It's going to go live with probably 100 plus apps on it. It's pretty crazy how this is going to happen. And that's just a few months away. Two days ago, Arbitrum surpassed Ethereum for the first time in transactions in one day. So we already have layer twos, which are doing more than Ethereum itself is. And you know that's just one. Optimism is getting close. Coinbase is going to take no time to get there. Polygon is, I mean, they're on a whole nother level. Like we're finally reaching a point where this space can scale. And when mainstream comes back in, we are about to have some things to offer them that are much different than I think we could previously. So I think that's really good news because the last thing we want is them to come back in and be stuck on Ethereum where it costs $80 to you know trade an NFT <laughs> or to swap a token. So Ethereum layer two system and Solana and others are doing a great job to offer users something amazing when they all come back. And shout out to the Optimism team for building Absolutely. open source, you know, Absolutely. and shout out to everybody in the space, the power of open source software and composability leads to exponential growth that would not be possible on your own. But it's risky. It's scary. A lot of people don't like to share. They want to make their own thing. But that piece of the Web3 culture is just so like, I want a deep bow to everybody in Web3 that is fighting back against centralization with open source. And shout out to the clueless speculators of this space that pumped my OP bags by 20% this morning with this news. This has nothing to do with the OP token. It has nothing to do with optimism. <laughs> and the, the price of this token just skyrockets. And I not have this token as I was airdropped it, thankfully. But just everyone goes, okay, well, optimism was involved in this. Let's go buy this token. Like, Let's go. Anyway, it's hilarious. Let's move on. 
All right. Okay. That should have been the leading news, Jay, but we had to start with Coinbase. It was was the lead news in everybody's stories this week. If you haven't gotten up to date on the NFT marketplace wars, let us bring you up to date on what has happened in the past week because a lot has happened. First, a week ago on the show, we talked about Blur airdropped their token as part of season one. And as a result of that, Blur passed OpenSea in daily trading volume. They also passed them in daily transactions. So Blur just skyrocketed. They were already very close to OpenSea, but it really pushed them. Next, OpenSea swung back. They're like, we got to do something. And in a very surprise move, I don't think anybody saw this coming, OpenSea announced that they were going to put their fees to zero. It was 2.5% before fees to zero to match blur, Blur also has zero fees. And they were going to make creator royalties optional to a minimum of 0.5%. Told all the creators in the space, big shock, a ton of creators saying, what are we going to do? How are we going to make revenue? I won't dive into that because Kyle and I have talked a lot about that on past shows. You can't rely on royalties to make revenue, unfortunately. So, OpenSea makes this announcement and then Blur comes back and they announce season two of their token airdrop. And as part of season two, they say that in order to get the most amount of tokens, you have to show loyalty to Blur. And the way that you show loyalty to Blur is you must delist <laughs> your tokens from any other nft marketplace and there's actually a button that you can click in blur to delist so if you are selling an nft and you have it listed on blur but you also have it listed on x2y2 or OpenSea, you can click a button and it will delist it from those marketplaces and by delisting it move ever it's unbelievable (laughs) you increase the amount of tokens you will receive by 25 percent. so it's a serious play so there's just missiles going through the night from you know OpenSea on one side of the border and Blur on the other side. Blur so is that's, playing that's what chess. You missed in the last week. Blur is playing chess and everyone else is playing checkers. I'll tell you that. Because oh, and Pac-Man, the founder of Blur, also doxed. I think this happened yesterday, and that also led to a lot of excitement in the fact that he was anonymous before this and obviously when the founder docs he's a young guy that doesn't necessarily have a lot of work experience background but he seems like he's an absolute genius he dropped out of high school to join y combinator when he was 17 then he went to mit he dropped out of mit to join peter Thiel's fellowship program i can't remember what else he's a math quant genius so not to mention blur is backed by like punk 6529 and Mm -hmm. seneca and a bunch of other Mm -hmm. you know smart people in the space so they're doing some amazing things i think that a lot of the volumes and things that are happening right now are still as a result of giving away tokens right it's airdrop farming etc are they really ahead of OpenSea? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i don't think so like even in users they're not right now so i think it's a little bit blown out of proportion but not to say that like blur is doing an amazing job their tech is pretty great but it's meant for traders it's not meant yeah. for just the average person, but they yeah. are focused on like bringing liquidity to their marketplace, et cetera. So like they're doing a lot for the trader world. Again, I don't see that as the future of NFTs. I think that's well, part of NFTs, sure, but and not let me just make a so. quick comment there is OpenSea feels like Coinbase when you use it. The UX right. is wonderful. It's just right. a beautiful UX. 
it is very easy for the creators to make a beautiful landing page to sell their collection. And then it's great for the buyers to go and buy things and to search around. Blur feels like using Bloomberg. Like it feels right. like yeah, a yeah, finance right. app. Well, right? this, I think that OpenSea should just say, fuck what Blur's doing. Forget about it and just focus on creators. Focus on yeah. like the other yeah. part of this world. Like, because you're in it for the long not everything. Term. Exactly. And traders is not everything. Yeah, they're getting no. volume stuff. But a lot of that is airdrop farming. It's wash trading. Traders are going to trade. Let them trade and focus on a different niche, which I think is going to be much bigger than traders, which is the actual creators in the real communities. And if you can provide yeah. them services, give them their royalties, I think it's fine. And yeah, you're going to lose some revenue from this and some users and whatever, but who cares? Those traders, just let them go dink around wherever they want to dink around and try to make their money. That's what well, I think they should do. This is a short-term versus long-term thing. Yeah, so, exactly. And this kind of leads into the conversation that Kyle and I wanted to have because a lot of people are talking about the war of the NFT marketplaces and what it means. They're very focused on now. Kyle and I wanted to focus more on, okay, what happens to marketplaces if they have zero revenue? If they have zero fees, what do marketplaces do? So in the report that came out yet today, actually, as we're recording this with the NFT marketplace war story, I looked at revenues and OpenSea is getting close to a billion dollars cumulative revenue since launch, okay? Which is pretty impressive. A billion dollars, that's great. Blur has never made a penny. They has made zero dollars because they don't charge anything, which is fine. Sure, it's a tech yeah. company. This happens all the time. You know, this is the way that it typically goes. But like at some point, these companies are going to need to make money right? Mm -hmm. Because the thing can't exist if it doesn't make money long-term. Mm -hmm. It can get mm -hmm. investment for now and that's fine. Although we're in a tough market at the moment for investing, but I think marketplaces are going to be fine for that. But ultimately it needs to make revenue for this thing to exist. A lot of times in the internet, this is what happens, but then there's a couple ways that we have to monetize. And if you want to walk us through that, Jay, you can do that first. Right. Right. And what this shows is before I mention the ways you got to monetize, this shows we are in a trader's market right now. NFT right. traders, those are the only people that are really active in NFTs. And what is happening? This war is about acquiring those users, which is why you said, Kai, OpenSea should just say, screw it and focus on long-term and acquiring the more mass market that is to come. But okay, if NFT marketplaces have zero revenue from fees, which is okay for a tech company to have zero revenue. A lot of tech companies do that in the beginning. You acquire users, but eventually you need revenue. So what are the ways a marketplace can gain revenue? One, they can tokenize, okay? And I'm not going to dive into each of them yet, but we'll talk about that. Two, they can run ads. We've seen that. Google does this. Many Web2 companies do that. Three, they could go a premium model where they have a subscription for extra services, extra features, or four, they could go back to charging fees in the future. So let's break each one of those down. I think the internet is kind of going in through a transition right now. When it first started in the 90s, in early 2000s, the way that everyone monetized was ads. That was the only way. Banner ads were everywhere. And then Google kind of dominated that market. Facebook started to dominate that market. But ads was the only model for many, many years. And then what happened was the premium model came along, right? The sort of SaaS model where you can have these different tiers and you pay a membership. And now everyone is going that way. Netflix, Amazon Prime, everything you do is a membership. And that's a great way. It gets rid of ads and it allows companies to make revenues, which there's so many people that are like, I hate ads. It's the worst thing. They're selling our data, blah, blah, blah. And then a company goes to charge and they're like, 
oh, screw you. I'm not paying $8 a month for Twitter Blue or Meta just <laughs> Meta just launched a new thing where you can pay as well for new features. Like, screw that. I would never pay Facebook any money. I just want free money. tech. Yeah, and it's like, okay, well then what do you want here? You complain and cry every day about them using your data to run ads. Okay, so you don't want that. So then what are they going to do? They got to make money. Otherwise, do you just want all these companies to just shut down and then mm -hmm. you just don't have the internet anymore and you want to go back to, I don't know, playing hopscotch and pogs? Go up, people. <laughs> You're going to have to pay money if you want to use these fucking technologies, right? They make your life better. They allow you to build businesses. Like it's insane. So first of all, tokenizing, this isn't a way to generate revenue. It is a way to generate equity, okay? Mm. Or to create equity, not generate it. There is a use case there. However, so far it looks rare. X2Y2 have done a terrible job. They've just basically given tokens and given tokens and everyone just sells them. So like they just completely crush the value of these tokens. So they haven't really found a way to like create some utility around those. So like, I think tokenizing, they're all going to tokenize. Probably OpenSea does at some point as well. Everyone will. Coinbase will too in the future. But that's not your revenue model, right? You can tie, you can share revenue with that, but that's not your way that you make money. That's the way that you decentralize and you give governance and et cetera, mm -hmm, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Do I think marketplaces will run ads? Like probably not. The last week there was like 50,000 people that used Blur. That was it. And like 150,000 mm -hmm. that used OpenSea. And the people that are now going to Blur are just people leaving OpenSea. It's not like new people coming in. No one in the normie world gives a shit about Blur's airdrop and what's going on here. And Pac-Man docks it himself. Like nobody cares. And who's going to pay to run ads on these marketplaces that have, you know, 50,000, traders? The way that though they would do ads would be more the way Amazon does it, where it's sponsored posts. Every time you go to Amazon at the top, there's going right, to be somebody right. that paid for their bar of soap to be at the top. And oh, so that's a great point, actually. They're definitely going to do that. That's, that's what smart. they will do, right? So that makes sense. Short term, I don't see that being a smart move just yet. I think yeah. we need more people in the space before yeah. any of that happens. I think that the best move is, and just the most obvious move is to make a membership here. Well, actually there's two things. I would say, so membership makes sense. You wanna give these pro features. I mean, Boomberg does this too, like you just said. If you wanna give these additional features, whatever that is, you wanna verify on your platform, this is what Twitter's doing and Facebook's doing, OpenSea has verified as well, then pay. Pay a monthly fee and great. I think that makes complete sense, right? So I definitely see them doing that. Again, though, it's going to be challenging in this in a trader's market because everyone just wants free, right? Everyone doesn't want to pay anything at the moment, but that's just because we're in this early stage. But I think they turn trading fees back on. You know, Uniswap is the dominant decentralized exchange. They've had their own battles with SushiSwap, et cetera, and all the other exchanges, yet they still charge, I think it's 2.5% or 0 0.5, mm -hmm. whatever it is. I can't remember. And they make $6 million a day, I think is what mm -hmm. Uniswap's making right now. So I see no reason why that doesn't come back now. Does it come back to the 2.5%? Probably not. I think maybe it's a 0.5, whatever, but that's fine. When millions or hundreds of millions of people start entering the space over the coming years, that 0.5% is going to be incredible. I definitely think that comes back. Um, 100%. And yeah. when you go to OpenSea's website right now, there's a banner across the top that says, we have temporarily eliminated fees no no they already got rid of that late last night they are now charging 0.5 percent again how many so things was, happened last night man <laughs> 48 oh, hours of no fees woke, essentially and they already woke turned up to it back a whole on. new world <laughs> yeah yeah so they've already turned it back on so yeah i think fees will stick around just at a very low amount yeah i agree with what you're saying though i just want to go back to OpenSea was so strong in their stance with creators like I listened to OpenSea CEO on Overpriced JPEGs back in November or December, and he was so passionate about how they were st staying true to the side of creators and the 
model of creators being able to have secondary revenue from the sales of their collections made a lot of sense. It's a, a huge part of what is so powerful about NFT technology. Why are they laying over on that? I know you're going to lose a whole bunch of the trading volume right now, but yeah. you could build such a strong community with those people if you just stayed true to that and made that you, your position. You know why? I think that OpenSea's plan is to do an IPO and they need the uh, numbers, the metrics to do that. Point. They need the volume, Very. the users, the transactions. Ooh. And so they can't IPO if that all just gets You're thrown right. over to blur. I mean, obviously they're not going to IPO now because we're in a tough market. No one's IPOing, but like, I think they want to. But they, they need want to, to show, already. They need they need show to metrics. They need to show growth. And yeah, I think the right play, and maybe this is an opportunity for someone else, I don't know, is to go heavy all in on the other side and go long-term on the creators that's not trying to IPO, you know, maybe the looks rare does this and tries to win over that crowd, you know, I don't know. But OpenSea should be the one that does it, but I think it's because they IPO. Okay, anything else we want to talk about in the NFT marketplace or should we, um... actually there was one other thing that launched yesterday. <laughs> well, you were awake though. So Uniswap is an NFT marketplace, which is an aggregator. So you can buy any of these NFTs and you can do it from any of these platforms through the Uniswap interface essentially. And so what they've done is they're allowing you to buy NFTs with any ERC-20 starting well, it was yesterday or Wednesday, I guess. So if you don't have ETH in your wallet, you can just buy it with any token you have. And what's really cool and the reason why Uniswap can do this, of course, and actually really anyone can do this. OpenSea, they could all do it. And eventually all apps will do it this way is the person that you're buying the NFT from still gets ETH because what Uniswap's doing is under the hood, when you pay with your, I don't know, OP token, they're swapping it in the background into ETH and then giving that to the creator. And so what's crazy here is Uniswap's making a cut on that, right? They have their 0.5 or whatever is 2.5% fee to swap tokens in Uniswap. And they have a fee to transact with the NFT for the marketplace. So they're actually doubling down, creating a way better experience. So it's great. Uniswap is the one thing, they're not getting a lot of attention and they don't have a lot of volume. I think they're like 7.5 million we looked at yesterday on chain, but they have potential to do some really cool stuff here. So we'll see. I wonder if they enter the NFT marketplace war at some point. I don't know what else they could do. They already have a token, so they can't enter that way, but we'll see. All right, Jay, we've got some other big news. we got to get through some more stuff, man. This is yeah, uh, let's go. A lot. What's going on in music right now? Yeah, so this is really cool. So, I mean, we've talked a lot about music NFTs recently. We think that Web3 is going to really change the music world in many ways. And there was a, I'm not sure if it was a leak or if this was allowed to come out. Now, this was for, a lot. This is live. Yeah, it's live. Yeah. So for Android users in a certain few countries, they're testing out the ability to token gate playlists. So basically what this is, if you are a token holder of whatever their token is, then you can connect your wallet into Spotify, your MetaMask, Coinbase wallet, et cetera, prove that you have that NFT and it opens up access to that person or that company or that creator's playlist. So you can listen to their music if you hold their NFT. Think about how great that is. There's utility to an NFT right there. If you really like mm -hmm. a musician, think about Spotify right now. Every time you like a musician, you can go on, I don't know, John Mayer or whatever. And you can go mm -hmm. and have John Mayer radio where it's like all the music he's listening to kind of thing. Well, now you can start to token gate that where you only get access to that if you hold on to my community NFT, right? This is really a loyalty type thing. So this is the first kind of jump into Web3 that Spotify is doing. Really, really cool. Again, it's small. We're not going to hear much about it because it's only certain, there's only a few curators that can do this. But I think there's so much more that can come from this. We talked about Sound a couple of weeks ago launching the mm -hmm. curator rewards. And this is something yeah. I always thought of, and I don't know why Spotify doesn't monetize this yet, but like 
people who make playlists, some of them have millions of people following their playlists. Yeah. They should be monetizing that somehow. And right now they're not. Mm -hmm. And I think Web3 enables a way to do that, which is really cool. One, through just token gating could be it, but also through if all these things were music NFTs, you could, and there's some sort of streaming payment for listening, you could just send it right to the wallet of the curator. Like there's lots of ways to do that. There's a lot of problems. And we had a great podcast with Austin Hurwitz about music NFTs a couple months ago, because there's a lot of issues in the music business, mainly because there's three major labels that own most of the rights to the majority of music that we listen to in the world. And because of that, they just have too much control and power. And a lot of artists don't have opportunities to make money. Audius is a great example of a music platform where if you put music on Audius, you get paid in tokens based upon listens. And if you're right. a curator on Audius, you get paid in Audius token based upon listens of your playlist. So exactly what you were saying, Kai. What is great about this of what Spotify is doing is just shout out to a major tech company in being very selective in the way they dip their toes into Web3. They picked a few strong Web3 communities, a few NFT communities. They went to those communities. They said, hey, your community loves you. Your fans want more of your stuff. Why don't you make a playlist? We'll token gate access to that playlist through our app. And we'll be able to test our Connect Wallet feature in our app. How does that work? Is it seamless? Is the UX good? Are people having issues? And they can test all that with a limited number of people before they obviously will plan to roll out much bigger things. Well, and Instagram did the exact same thing, right? They yeah. had just certain yeah. creators did the exact same yeah. thing. And within a year, it's now open to anyone. Anyone can go connect their wallet to Instagram right now. Mm -hmm. And then they built, they added to that. So not only can you connect your wallet, you can now like mint NFTs right in Instagram. I think you can buy them. And so like it only took about a year for it all to unfold. And it's not crazy adoption on Instagram, but like it's done pretty well so far and it still has training wheels on, but it's getting there. And so Spotify, you can expect by the end of this year, or I guess early next year, this stuff's only going to happen faster and faster. So by the end of this year, we should have Spotify fully integrated into Web3, Instagram fully integrated Web3, Facebook, Reddit, the list goes on and on. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. It is so crazy. Play the uh, tuba of the guy falling down the hill. Kevin Rose announced on Monday that they are canceling Proof Conference this year. This is just not even a month. Proof Conference launched less than a month ago. Well, they opened up ticket sales less than a month ago. So this is an in-person conference. Anybody could attend, but obviously it was targeted at the Proof ecosystem, which is Proof Pass holders, Moonbird holders, and Oddity holders. And clearly, they did not get the ticket sales that they anticipated. And Kai, I think you and I agree. Obviously, as a Moonbird holder, I don't want to talk shit about them, but like they made a big error here in their calculation of what they thought they would get for a conversion rate. So let me just give you some numbers and you tell me how many tickets you think that they would sell. So there are approximately 12,000 holders in the ecosystem, unique holders, 12,000 unique holders in the ecosystem. There's 927 unique holders of proof. And then proof. there's 6.4 thousand of Moonbirds, but some of those are probably true double true. owners, Good right? Point. Good and point. then 5.7 thousand of oddities. And again, oddities. many, like you own both many of those. Double owners. You're right. Okay. So less. 
Less, less. There's somewhere between six to 8,000 unique holders. Based upon six to 8,000 unique holders, and you sell a in-person conference for the price was free for proof pass holders, and it was 50% off 0.75 ETH for Moonbird and Oddity holders. So you're selling it at around 0.37 ETH. Based on that, what conversion rate do you think you'd get? Thing is, is that you got to remember that these NFT holders are global holders. This isn't just the US. Their conference was in, I think, LA or something. And these are holders from all over the world. And so it's not easy to get people to come to LA when you live in, I don't know, China or Europe, et cetera, right? So you got to understand this conversion rate is going to be like 1% or less. And so if we're looking mm -hmm. at, I don't know, what'd you say? Five to 8,000? Yeah. I don't know how big this conference is, but you got to assume the conference needs to be 1,000 plus, 2,000, yeah, maybe 3,000, like a typical yeah. conference are, sometimes even more. There's no way you're getting that, you know? The real reason I think this is, and of course it's open to the public, but Moonbirds has not done anything to try to include the rest of the Web3 community, right? Mm -hmm. They've kept it very exclusive since day one. Nothing against Moonbirds or Kevin Rose or what they've been doing, but like they've also kind of done a lot to rug their own people in their own community. So like, they've made some mistakes. For they've sure. made some mistakes, which everyone does, and it's fine. They've been somewhat open about it, and what, but they just haven't done the greatest job of building their own community, and they've done nothing to build the outside community. So. Why would anyone go that's not a holder go to this conference? Like mm -hmm. I had zero interest. I said, Jay, you should go because you're a Moonbirds mm -hmm. holder. But I was like, I'm not going to go. There's so many other conferences though, that, right? Like exactly. There's, there's, so, there's consensus so many. around the same time. There's permissionless. There's ETH Denver. There's, there's so many. And so you're competing with these large, global, big conferences that mm -hmm. are all over. And, you know, you're trying to do this thing to your tiny little community or just, it never made sense to me for, to begin with. So I don't know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I would have gone if it was free. If it was free for me as a holder, but to pay. Oh, I, I bet you you don't want ads on your technology and you don't want to pay for a premium model either, do you? No, but I already contributed. <laughs> I paid. I bought yeah, in. Yeah. True, <laughs> true, okay. I bought a Moonbird. Yeah, I think you got to build community first, right? Yeah. And yeah. they have struggled to do that. And then they try to make this in-person conference. And yeah, it's unfortunate. I mean, the aftermath of it was that the number of nested moonbirds just, you know, fell off a cliff. There was massive losses incurred as a result of that. Like people were just selling out. But thankfully, blur farming, you know, kept the floor steady. <laughs> so there's <it> <laughs> right. lots of traders picking up cheap things in the floor. stayed steady. So Kevin Rose has been hopping into a number of space, Twitter spaces and Discord chats and they've said that there's a big announcement forthcoming in early March. We'll see. I'll definitely be watching because I hope that they figure it out. All right, let's move on to Solana Mobile Mints. Solana Mobile announced yesterday a new application, which basically enables you to, when you use the phone and you take a picture, it's like a couple clicks and it immediately mints that photo as an NFT. So you're basically going Whoa. straight from taking a picture into an NFT and it's seamless. I mean, obviously it's done Salada, so it's super cheap, if not basically free. And it's just so convenient and easy. This reminds me of, I'm actually reading a book right now called No Filter. It's the story of Instagram. And it talks about like how Instagram made this big impact in the world, how it grew. And one of the big unlocks that Instagram had on the world was previous to Instagram, you weren't able to take a picture and write inside of social media apps and kind of like edit it, make it nice, and then post it right into social media immediately. You had to take a picture, use a different app, 
edit it, make it look nice, then go into Facebook at the time and upload it onto there. It wasn't native and seamless. What Instagram did is said, hey, we're putting the camera right in the application and you can immediately take the picture in Instagram and upload it right away and also edit it before you do that, right? That was a huge game changer for social media. And it meant everyone was running around with their phones just snapping pictures, right? It really changed the world. All of a sudden, coffee shops started having these like beautiful looking mm-hmm. cafes because people would go and make an Instagrammable type picture. Like it changed a lot. So Solana is basically doing this right now for NFTs. Now, how does this unfold? I have no freaking idea. No one probably could have guessed that for Instagram either. But obviously, we think that low cost NFTs or free NFTs are going to be the norm, right? Mm-hmm. Curating creating collections, whatever that's going to be. And that all can now happen so easily. Think about how hard it is to mint an NFT right now. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. it's kind of crazy. And now it's just native to your phone. You have to sign any transactions. It's just, it's just immediate. It's a pretty big deal. And I think this, there's a lot more to come from this type of technology. We're going to see this happen with so many other things in this space. So pretty cool. I think this is awesome. It's amazing to think about Web3 is so much more than just blockchain. Mm-hmm. And hardware is a big part of Web3 too. And here's a great example of that. The Solana mobile phone, which is called Saga, is allowing these new use cases for interacting with your digital content, owning your digital content. You you can just imagine if this was something that we could all do simply through current social media, well, you'd have verified ownership of whoever first took a photo. You know, think about iStock and stock photo companies that try to figure out who owns a photo and manage the ownership of it and manage the rights of it. Well, boom, here's a solution to that in a very simple way. Lens, somebody's gonna build this same app on top of Lens, but the key is it does connect back to the mobile phone, which we haven't talked a lot about hardware, but we're gonna be talking, we got Ledger coming on the show in a couple weeks and we're gonna be talking about hardware with them and the future of mobile hardware. So it'll be interesting to dive into there. Absolutely. Okay, let's talk loyalty. I know we're gonna go a little bit long on this one today, Jay, but it's worth it today. So it's so good. It just tastes so good today. It's delicious. Let's do it. (laughs) So Binance has launched something called Binance Fan Club. And the reason I want to talk about this is we talk all the time that loyalty, we think is gonna be such a big deal. We should have probably talked about this more on the NFT marketplace. I think there's zero loyalty with marketplaces Mm. at the moment. And Mm -hmm. I know, Jay, you'd mentioned that Blur is kind of making people delist. And this is their loyalty thing is, hey, we'll airdrop you more tokens if you be loyal to us and you delist in other marketplaces. I think one thing I want to make sure people understand is, Guys, that's not a loyalty program. That's a bribe, okay? That is, hey, I will give you money if you don't use our competitors and you come here. That is not a sustainable thing. Loyalty programs are sustainable and Mm -hmm. they give people reasons to want to use your platform, okay? Mm -hmm. It gives them value, but not in the sense of money always. It can, but not always. So what Blur is doing is not a loyalty program. Do not get that twisted. I think people in Web3 don't quite get that yet. They are just bribing. They're giving money. What Binance is doing is actually pretty cool. So- Binance has announced a fan club and basically it offers exclusive rewards to its members. You can think of this like what credit cards do, right? With air miles or with points Mm -hmm. and things like that. And this program has four tiers. So silver, gold, platinum, and diamond, and just different benefits and increasing benefits for those who move up the tiers. Really the way that this works is, you know, you're going to get access to certain token listings, to discounts on trading fees, merchandise, you know, whatever else they're going to do, customer support, all that kind of stuff. So it's kind of like a premium model, except... What happens here is you have to hold certain amounts of Binance's native token, BNB. 
which is actually a great idea. So you have to hold them for a certain amount of time, whether you got to lock them up or stake them. Crypto.com had done this before. So it's a great idea to, again, give people certain features and certain access. And mm -hmm. as a result, instead of giving them tokens, that they're just going to go sell it. It's you have to buy our tokens and hold on to those tokens, right? Or you could do things like what Starbucks doing. You got to collect tokens or you got to earn tokens mm -hmm. by doing certain things. That's more a bribe though by earning them. But if it's collecting where you do have to buy them, you know, and you got to hold on to them, I think that's a great way to do it because that's sustainable. It keeps the price mm -hmm. of BNB lifted, right? If everyone's mm -hmm. just giving them, they're selling them, the price is going to go down. That's no good for anyone. It's not good for the business, not good for the customers, et cetera. It's not sustainable. So this is something really cool I think Binance is doing. The only thing that scares me a little bit is FTX did this with their token. So <laughs> obviously, you know, we know how that went with the FFT token. I don't know. With Binance's, we just don't really know what's all going on. With their unaudited books. Yeah, yeah. Just, it's are complete blind to what is going on like, in the background. It's scary. Yeah, I'm a fan of Binance. I think they're doing a lot of stuff. I don't think they necessarily do it the right way. Like, for example, Coinbase is like Binance launching their token is fine, but they launched their own layer one. I was like, eh, why would you do that? Now, look, they have amazing activity on there. They're serving a market that is not the US. They're serving an underdeveloped mm -hmm. market, Asia, South America. And so they needed a chain that was super cheap and fast. Okay, so mm -hmm. great. The only thing is, of course, on chains like that, you get a lot of scams. So Binance, I don't think tried to do that. They were just trying to serve their market, which, okay, that's great. And then, I mean, they don't have to show their books to the US. That's not their market. Mm -hmm. They don't really care. It's mm -hmm. so like, I don't know if I would say a fan, but I'm a supporter of Binance, mainly because if they go down, we're all fucked. But <laughs> I do think they're doing, for the most part, a lot of the right things. And we have a lot to learn from them. Like I said, I think Coinbase launched a token in the future once it's more clear in the US and probably does something like this. Why not? Like you've said a million times, loyalty is going to be massive in Web3 and it's going to come yeah. in these sort of ways. Yeah, yeah, I'm super excited for loyalty and we're actually going to talk about it in a quick hit coming up. But before we get there, let's just take a minute to hear from our sponsor. Are you building a community around your brand? Well, listen to this. At Web3 Academy, our motto is community first, profit second. Why? Because engaged communities tell you exactly how to improve your product and ultimately drive growth. They act as team members, recruiting new customers and providing crucial feedback. And they become brand super fans, sticking by you through thick and thin. But to engage your community, you must first understand them. That's where Chasm comes in. Chasm is our go-to Web3 tool for managing and understanding our community members. It combines both on-chain and Web2 metrics all in one user-friendly dashboard. With Chasm, you'll know things like which other communities your members are part of and which of your campaigns are truly driving results. That's why at Web3 Academy, we use Chasm to launch campaigns, optimize growth, engage our community members, and automate workflows with this all-in-one tool. If your community is already on chain, get to know them better with Chasm. Head to chasm.xyz using the link in the description and discover why top brands like Immutable, Nifty Labs, and Collab Land are using Chasm. All right, welcome back. It's the NFT of the month time. We had four awesome projects, to Gods, Pudgy Penguins, Rug Radio, and Rabbids duking it out. And the winner is D-Gods. We talked quite a bit about them over the last six months. What an incredible community they have built. Look, top community on the Solana. Unfortunately for Solana, they are now moving off Solana. They're migrating. D-Gods is migrating to ETH and Utes, which is their sort of generation two 
collection is migrating to Polygon. One cool thing they did this week is previously when they first launched to gods as part of their launch they had a burn mechanism and 535 of gods nfts were burned and so what they did this week is they minted those 535 to gods on bitcoin ordinals protocol <laughs> so now they're on bitcoin you're talking about a project that constantly ships but a project that is really focused on community and building with their community. And another way that this is happening right now is, and this sort of links back to talking about Kevin Rose and Proof Conference, everybody's trying to get together IRL. It's so important. We value spending time online in the metaverse and there is so much to be gained from that. That's where we actually spend most of our time now, but you can't replace it with the connection that happens from meeting somebody in person. And so with everyone trying to do that, it's interesting to see the different ways that people are trying to do that. Obviously, Proof was like, oh, we're going to do our own conference. Couldn't do it. Wasn't able to do it. Bad right idea. Now. We've seen Jump and a lot of other communities tack on to other conferences. They've said, okay, we're going to do a tour where we're going to go to Consensus and we're going to go to Permissionless and we're going to go to NFT NYC. We're going to be there. And when you're there, we're going to have a side event, right? Which is what a lot of communities have done that. What came out of God's community this past week, or actually it's been happening for a few months, but it just got announced this week, is De Golf. So their own community members decided that they want to host a golf tournament. And if you're a De Gods or a Utes token holder, you can buy a ticket to attend the De Golf tournament, the promo video for it, it's very degen. It gives you an idea of who the community of De Gods is. The promo video is a guy about to tee off a golf swing. And right before he does, he gets thrown a golf shoe and a beer. He pours the beer into the golf shoe, chugs the beer out of the shoe, and then tees off. So yeah, it's not the style of golf tournament that I'm going to be going to, but it, that's what happens when you build great community. Your community members build for you, alongside you, with you. That's the power of community is that exponential connection that really comes from having strong community. So shout out to Gods, congrats on being NFT of the month. Gods is killing it, man. They've done a great job. This whole like multi-chain thing, I don't know why. That's just to like excite people in this space. I don't think that's gonna matter in the future, but really cool what they're doing. All right, let's move on to some quick hits, Jay. All right, first up, Puma drops an NFT. It's crazy that this is not even part of the main stories this week, but Puma launched a 10K peak collection, which is connected to the story about their Puma, really. They launched this yesterday, I believe it was, and it mm -hmm. sold out within an hour. It's PFP, they have a Discord and you know whatever. You wonder why they keep doing this kind of stuff, but actually I think there's a bigger reason to it. I think this is just starting small, which a lot of these companies are doing. And I think it's actually really smart. I think their real play here is they are going to enter the metaverse. They want some IP there. And they need to build a bit of a community in order to do that. Now, there's many ways to do it. Dot Swoosh and Nike's doing their own thing. Adidas is doing their own thing. But ultimately, it's about how can we get these NFTs in the hands of our community? How can we build some community, get some people that actually like care about the metaverse, want to help us kind of integrate into the metaverse? And ideally, I mean, they're creating a story about Puma. So they'll probably have, whether it's a game or I don't know, something where these Pumas will be able to do something in the metaverse. Who knows what? They don't even know probably. But that's the whole idea. Get things started, build the IP, get people kind of associated with it. And then as the tech builds out, they're kind of ready to deploy in. So I think that's exactly what Puma's strategy is here. And I think it's smart. And I think every brand should be doing this right now. All right, Jay, Yuga Labs releases a new game. 
lick the toad. Yeah, it's time, everybody. It's time to lick the toad. So Yuga Labs has been on this Jimmy the Monkey adventure part of their story. And we've talked a lot about the Sewer Pass and the Dookie Dash game. I think this was really smart. What Yuga Labs has done here is they've created this multi-step game, but also just interaction that is capturing a ton of attention. And so now what they've done is they've released another game called Lick the Toad. It's very similar. I haven't played it, but I believe it's the same as the Dookie Dash game. There's just some different characters in the game. And the reason they did this is for a couple reasons. One, I think there was so much attention around Dookie Dash and they said, okay, well, if that works, then let's do another game immediately afterwards where people who feel like they FOMO'd, they, did, they missed out on Dookie Dash. Well, okay, you can come back. You can buy a sewer pass. You can play Lick the Toad. Or let's say you totally forgot about your sewer pass, which seems crazy. You'd have to be living in a hole. But let's say you did. Well, you missed out on getting points, which means your sewer pass is not worth very much because the way this works is you get points and coming up in and March, there's the summoning, which is at that point based upon your points with your sewer pass in the game of Dookie Dash and Lick the Toad, you will get something airdrop to you. Something will happen. So yeah, Yuga Labs grabbing attention in fun and exciting ways, shipping new things to engage the space. Yeah, well done. Just another impressive win for them. All right, next up, LinksDAO is buying a golf course. Yeah, a DAO is buying a golf course. And, you know, I've been following this one for a while. I am used to be a big golfer and I would like to golf more. But anyway, the, a DAO came along and said, hey, let's all buy these NFTs, be part of this like membership where we're going to create like a golf membership. And eventually the goal is to buy a golf course. And we're all going to be able to have our own golf course and we can do all of our weird NFT stuff on there. This was like a year and a half ago, at least. It was pretty early on in the world of DAOs and NFTs. And finally, it's uh, it's coming through. The vote ended yesterday with a large win. 88.6% of votes voted yes to buying a golf course in Scotland. It's about $900,000, I believe, to buy this course. It's a little bit in the middle of nowhere where the home of golf is, Scotland. And a Dow is about to own a course. So, I mean, they're going to put the bid in. They now, basically what they've done is approved the ability to go and try to buy this thing. The weird thing about buying things from a DAO is like it's all on chain so now like everyone knows that this thing is going to go and bid on this course so anyone could also go do that like you have to do it out in the public that's the weird thing you mm -hmm. can do it privately which isn't really a great tactic when you're trying to like buy real estate if other people know kind of weird and odd but anyway hopefully they win and, and a DAO owns a course that'd be cool I think the amazing thing is just looking at the snapshot page of their DAO vote up on screen here is they have 3.8 thousand people voted for this only 359 voted against and 130 abstained only 133 percent abstained this community is very active well done to have so many people we talked about governance recently well, this is and how of the voters this is of the voters so this mm. is like you vote for against or i don't care this isn't the 100 of the community i'm not 100 sure on that one but i'm pretty sure just to clarify. Okay. Still, it was still a very pretty, active vote. There is a very active, active vote. Yeah. One of the, one yeah, of the yeah. most active DAOs I've seen. So you are right. Yeah. Anyway, next up, Pudgy Penguins. We've been talking about them a lot lately. They partner with a retail monster. What's up? They partnered with Retail Monster. So Retail oh. Monster is a, a massive company that manages two things. One, they manage merch for large brands like 
Disney and DreamWorks and Hasbro, some of the largest toy merch companies in the world. And then they also help manage IP. So Pudgy Penguins, and we've known this from the start, their big play is IP around their characters in making shows, making cartoons, making animations, and then turning that IP into merchandise. That's what Disney does. That's what Pixar has done and DreamWorks has done. And in order to do that, you need partners who can get you in retail stores all around the world, who can get you into the biggest stores in front of users. And also you need partners who can help leverage your IP. And so that's what Retail Monster does. So another great partnership for Punji Penguins and another signal that they are really leaning into spreading their IP into new areas. It's yeah, I think it's a great thing to see really impressive for pudgy okay next up mastercard to allow crypto payments via usdc settlements pretty big news actually especially because of all the concern going around on stable coins at the moment we addressed mm -hmm. this last week and said look it's an attack on binance not an attack on stable coins we believe we're not for sure but i think the fact that mastercard who's like the most regulated company in the world or one of them like they obviously care about this stuff is you know, using USDC to settle payments, which by the way, this is a way, way, way better business model for them to use USDC rather than using like Swift and ACH, which is what like the world has to use to settle payments. It's way faster, it's way cheaper, et cetera. But anyway, the fact that they're using USDC, so that's Circle's stablecoin, it tells you that they're probably following all the regulations. They're probably going to be all good. Mastercard wouldn't be going through this if there was like a potential of, you know, crackdown on the US or the USDC wasn't going to allow to do what they're doing kind of thing like Binance. I think this kind of tells you like, hey, stable coins, they're here to stay. Mm -hmm. And MasterCard is we're going to start using them. So next up, new YouTube CEO is really into NFTs and Web3. I really like that. This is a great time. Yeah, this one's awesome. So the previous CEO of YouTube stepped down, Susan Wachicki. I'm not exactly sure if I say her last name. And Probably not like by, that though. Was replaced by Neil Mohan. And Neil Mohan is very Web3 friendly. So a big signal from YouTube of their future plans. A quick side note on this, a Google paid Neil Mohan $100 million bonus not to go to Twitter, apparently. Isn't that a $100 million bonus? Insane. Anyways, so the reason that we know that he is Web3 friendly is back in February 2022, he was the chief product officer at YouTube, and he outlined tentative plans to integrate metaverse-based content experiences, content tokenization via NFTs into YouTube. Now, they haven't done any of this yet, but he has talked a lot about this. Here's a direct quote from him, and this is from about a year ago. He said, Web3 opens new opportunities for creators. We believe new technologies like blockchain and NFTs can allow creators to build deeper relationships with their fans. Together, they'll be able to collaborate on new projects and make money in ways not previously possible. Should we add YouTube to the list of big tech companies that are going to be integrating Web3 in 2023? What do you think? Yep. 100%. <laughs> it's coming, everybody. Okay, next up, Starbucks NFTs are selling for thousands of dollars. This is as the result of a supply crunch 
right? So this is tokenomics right here playing out. So there's not a lot of Starbucks Odysseys available on the markets, but there's a lot of people that want them, right? Because they're only in beta. So there's only, I don't know how many people are even allowed to have them. And so a few of them went on sale on, on the marketplace, Nifty Gateway. There's just three of them, I think. And so of course people are speculating, you know, this is going to be the greatest thing ever. And so you have speculators go over. And if there's only three of them, there's at least more than three traders out there that want that drink coffee, right? <laughs> that means the price is going to go up. There's more buyers than there are sellers. The price go up. I've been explaining this in pro almost every report. If you want to understand how tokenomics works, then you go pro because this all makes sense. It's obvious it's going this way. They won't stay. It's, I think it's already gone down, but it won't stay at thousands because these are not meant to be high valued assets. Maybe some of them will be if they're very rare, but for the most part, they're not. It's just happening because of supply crunch at the moment. So nothing to see here. Move along. All right. <laughs> Manifold's burn, redeem, upgrades. We've got two more, by the way. Yeah, so Manifold, which is a fantastic tool to build NFTs and smart contracts, they have updated their burn, redeem function, which is really actually a big deal because we keep mentioning tokenomics on this show and burning tokens is a great way to manage your tokenomics, but it's also a great way to engage your community, to give them more things to do, fun things to do, burn this token and you could redeem this instead. And Manifold has made a upgrade. So there's much more you can do. In the past, you could only burn ERC-1155 tokens. Now you can burn ERC-721s and there's a lot of customization you can do. So you can burn a specific range of tokens where you could say, oh, tokens one to 100 could be burned. Or you could say specific tokens could be burned. You could say token ID number 35 and number 466 are able to be burned. Or you could also do multi-token burns, or you could do a pay token burn where somebody could pay to burn, or you could do an airdrop where if you burn, you get airdropped something. So there's just a whole bunch of features that Manifold is providing, which is really a fantastic tool for creators in the space who maybe aren't so good at the coding side, but want to be able to offer fun and engaging experiences to their communities. All right, last up, Napster. Whoa, blast from the past. Napster is going Web3. This one kind of has a nice little play in my heart here because Napster was the app that got me addicted to the internet. It was the thing that onboarded me to the internet when I was young. I remember just in my parents' basement downloading Tupac and Nelly <laughs> and Snoop Dogg. And my parents were like, what is this music? But Napster was the best. And Napster has gone through a hell of a journey over the last 25, whatever it is, 30 years or so of being shut down by the government and then being bought by company after company and trading. And it's been all over the place, owned by so many people. And now it looks to be making its play into Web3. It just acquired a company called Mint Songs, a music licensing and publishing platform. And so this is part of Napster's kind of ambitions to go Web3. So Napster's trying to make a comeback here and I'm all for it. I got nothing more to say than that, but if there's a nap token, or I don't know what they would call it, but if there's a token <laughs> for Napster, I'm going all in. I don't even care. That's community right there. I've been a community member <laughs> since 1996. Raul wasn't even born. Nap token just makes me think of like a step in and a, not a walk to earn, but a nap to earn. A, some sort of like <laughs> health token that's yeah. built around sleep. And so you could have maybe through your Apple Watch 
or your aura when you get REM sleep you get tokens when you get REM sleep you get tokens because we know sleep is one of the best things for our health Ooh, okay we got something let's get off this podcast we gotta what a show what a show thanks for listening everybody that was just so much happening in the space i hope you all feel up to date and look forward to seeing you back again next week have a great weekend thank you for listening to web3 academy we hope this helps you along your web3 journey if it does please share this episode and subscribe so you don't miss the next one nothing in this podcast was financial advice crypto and web3 can be risky you can literally lose it all in fact if you invest on account of what we say you probably will lose it all so don't do that in all honesty the point of this podcast is to remove the noise of markets and price and focus on utility implementation anyway so you should not take any of this as financial advice thank you friends and see you in the next one